This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome into another edition of Spits and Suds. I'm Gavin Spittle of 105.3 The Fan, joined by my hockey guru who joins us every Monday and Friday, formerly of NHL.com and The Athletic. He's Sean Shapiro. Hi, Sean. How are you? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. It's... uh. It's a lovely uh, Friday uh, early afternoon, and uh, it was. It, it's. I feel like it's going to be a good weekend, so it's a good day. That's great. That's great. Uh, looked back on the Winnipeg loss with Craig right after it happened, but uh, wanted to get your thoughts on a uh, on a Winnipeg loss, but overall, what I thought was a successful trip. I, I think the. Uh, I think when I look at the the, the Winnipeg loss, it's kind of one of those games where overall it was a successful trip. But I, I think kind of from a, a scene setting, rest of the season perspective, I think the Winnipeg loss is a really good reminder of what the Central Division battle is going to kind of look like for the rest of the season. Because um, Dallas and Winnipeg are obviously off to really good starts. They're one and two in the division. Um, okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Colorado is going to be better. Obviously, they're going to be up there, but... I think based off kind of the the early going to the season, and this isn't to say other other teams aren't going to surge up there. I think we're starting to th- see kind of the 
the three teams in, in Dallas and Winnipeg and Colorado that are going to be kind of the central quote unquote contenders. And, and I think it's just, an, in, I think that Winnipeg game for me was a good reminder of how there's so many different ways to win in this league. And I think that's something that I, like, I know people were, when Rick bonus was coaching the stars, there was a lot of like, well, they play too defensive, they dump and chase and, and it can, and, and people would kind of get frustrated about, the style of hockey they saw and everything like that. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. On the flip side, against Winnipeg, you saw what how effective and frustrating that style can be when you're on the other side of it. And that's what Winnipeg's going to do all year. The Stars are probably going to play more exciting games. The Jets are probably going to play less exciting games, but they're still they're both going to win a lot of games. And I thought it was just a really good game just to remember as you look at the rest of the season as a Stars fan where this is what the Central will be. This is how there's different ways to win in this league. And there's not, uh, and, and styles make fights too. And so that's that's going to be something interesting too, where uh, as, as Dallas and Winnipeg go head to head throughout the rest of the year and the standings, it's going to be interesting to see where those teams go. So that, that was kind of my big takeaway from that, just from a long-term scene setting, as opposed to belaboring the, uh, a 4-1 loss. Lots of uh, early credit for to uh, Rick Bonus for getting players like Shifley, Wheeler, getting them on board to uh, play. You know, there that room was going through some tough times last year, and it seems as though, I mean, and winning will cure that, but it seems like they're all on the same page this year. Well, and, and Rick Bonus is a coach where we saw with the Stars, and we, we have talked to so many players who, and I've talked to people within the Stars organization, where from a human perspective, you can't find anyone who has anything negative to say about Rick Bonus? He's someone who players want to play for. He's someone who guys, um, they, they find it a purpose to play for them and everything like that. And he's that type of coach. I don't know if he's tactically, um, tactically, I don't know if he's the best in-game manager and everything like that, but as a human being and as a coach you want to play for, he is one of the best. And that's something that I think that Winnipeg team really needed. It's something that the Stars team, frankly, needed um, a couple of years ago when they went through the the stunning Jim Montgomery firing. They, Rick Bonus was the person they needed to be able to keep things going. And so, full credit to Rick Bonus for taking for taking that job in Winnipeg and doing that. And it's not going to be the prettiest team that you see play, but they're going to play hard. They're going to win games they wouldn't, they shouldn't sometimes, and they're going to be one of the better teams in the Central all season. So it's it's something where like I I don't I feel like I sometimes have to overly defend Rick Bonus because I think there's been too much of a uh, there's sometimes such a like oh he was holding this team back and I I think that's sometimes unfair and so sometimes I overly defend Rick Bonus just because I feel like he gets people are overly uh, critical of his time here when I think that's not fair. Um, he, he was good for the stars. It was time to move on, but he would, but you can't say he wasn't good for the stars and what he did. 
Yeah, I, I agree. He he was he was very good, and uh, I also agree that a change was necessary. I wanted to talk about Radic Foxa because I think Stars fans are starting, and we've touched on it, but I think Stars fans on Twitter, I can see their frustration starting to mount. And it needs to be addressed because three years left after this year at $3.25 million with a modified trade clause, modified no trade clause. So I wanted to talk it over with you and talk about the history of Foxa and why the organization uh, signed him and if anything can be done because, as I told one Stars fan this morning, that that contract's awful tough to unload unless you're going to add some um, quality picks or quality prospects with them. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, Radic Fox uh, is kind of uh, the issue is Radic Fox uh, was built for a roster and his game. Radic Fox still has a place in the NHL. I want to be clear on that. Radic Fox, uh, though, play style and his play and everything like that, it's built for a different type of coaching staff. That's just that's just a reality of it. Where it's Braddock Fox was is someone who needs to play for the Jim Montgomerys, the Rick Bonuses, even the Ken Hitchcocks of the world, um, because that's the style that Radic Fox plays. And I, the signing, obviously, the money. I, I think the Radic Fox signing the the, the cap hit the three point two five million. Um, if not for COVID, I don't think this is an issue, honestly. I, I really think the flat cap, um the, the flat cap created problems where you have players who, if the normal inflation had happened, Radic Foxa would be that money would be worth what he is worth. I, I I truly believe that. I think COVID inflation kind of created some problems that and I think Radic Foxa gets more blame because of the contract for something he has had no control over obviously and w- with covid i also think he is at that spot where the stars don't have this coaching staff doesn't have the spot that fits for him radic foxa is the guy and i know and i've known because I've, I've covered radic it's i was feeling very old the other day when i saw that this is his eighth nhl season <laughs> radic is radic is the guy who he loves the challenge of shutting down the other team's top player he loves like that gets him going like he like he loves the idea of going head to head with the other team's top line and taking them out of the game and everything like that that's not what pete DeBoer is asking radic foxa to do like that's something that like when you when you, he he wants to go against the other team's top center he wants to go against them and, and take them out of the game and everything like that and by kind of he lost that role he lost that identity because Pete DeBoer, and I like how Pete DeBoer does this. Pete DeBoer is more of a, hey, strength on strength guy. I got my big guns, throw your big guns out. My big guns will win. I'm happy with that. I'm happy that Pete DeBoer does that. But Radic Foxa now plays in a role in a system that everyone's being asked to score and everyone's being asked to, uh, everyone's being asked to do similar things from line one through four. And when his line is no longer judged and his role is no longer judged by both himself and the coaching staff and the fan base as someone whose job is to be a shutdown corner, basically to bring in a football <laughs> comparison yeah. to all of a to, to, to all of a sudden be, you've got to be a point producer. You have to be that. That's when he, you start to find the holes in his game. He's basically, he's a tool. 
he's, he's, he's a tool for a coaching staff that this coaching staff doesn't really want to use as much with their system. And it's just, they have, they'll have to keep finding ways to make it work because of his, um, because of his, uh, because of his cap space and it's really hard to move him. But even the other thing about Radek Fox too, and once again, this is what made me feel old about him being the league for eight years. The nature of who kills penalty is penalties has changed too. Like it used to be in the first four or five, six years of Fox's career, it was still penalty killing was still a, Hey, we're going to battle. We're going to win basically, basically. And we're, we're going to win these battles and make it through without letting up a goal. How many times now do you see teams put more offensive guys on penalty killing thinking, Hey, we get the puck, we control it and go. He's so his roles have basically been reduced by the nature of the evolution of the sport and by the change of the coaching staff. Like I would imagine there's, there's, there's so many coaches. There are so many coaches that would love to have Radic Fox on the team. The issue is there's not many GMs that would be willing to pay 3.25 million for that in a flat cap world. And that is the Radic Fox conundrum right now. Yeah. Getting to that power play situation now. I mean, Shorthanded opportunities, it seems like every game across the NHL, teams get more and more shorthanded opportunities. And, and I kind of look at it because I think it goes back to the offensive side where coaches do not like using two defensemen on a power play. Heck, some teams are even now not even using a defenseman on on power plays. I saw that the other night and I was like, oh my goodness. So I mean, I think that's leading to more shorthanded uh, opportunities. And yeah, so you're trying to put some point producers because that's a kind of an opportunity. So thanks for the breakdown on uh, on Foxa. You know, hope he can bring it together. I'll never forget the game where he slid across the boards to avoid that hip check. One of the sweetest moves I've seen. And I was like, wow. You know, harken back to those days, Sean. Yeah. Yeah, the one last thing on Fox I will say too, and you're just seeing he is a to give people a little bit of the psyche of who Roddick is. He's a very superstitious He is one of the most superstitious hockey players I've ever covered too. He is someone who like hockey players have their routine and, and lots of guys have their routine, but Fox's superstition goes all the way down to the fact when the stars travel, Fox has to sit in the spot where he can see the clock from his locker room seat. And the equipment managers know that when they're setting up the visiting room, Radic Fox has to be able to see in a spot where he can see the clock because his routine and superstition are so tight. And so think about that. Just think about if you're a person who is so wound up and built on your routine and you're struggling, it's so hard to get out of it. It's not as easy as a rip a bandaid off and, and fix it type thing. And I'm not defending that, but it's just a reality just to give people an idea of Fox is a guy who's used to one role. He gets another role and he's not really having success with it. He's not really doing that. And he's not having the routine and the superstition within success for it. And it's, I just giving you people an idea of the hill that this guy's internally fighting over, because imagine having that at your job where you get a new boss, you got to do something different every day now and we're going to change how you've done it. These are humans. So that, that's yeah. I'm kind of bringing that perspective in on this. No, it's great perspective. You're listening to Spits and Suds. I'm Gavin Spittle. He's Sean Shapiro. Um, kind of news in the NHL. Um, wanted to dip in real quick. P.K. Subban signs a multi-year deal to join the ESPN broadcast crew. Uh, I think it was necessary. And uh, I've absolutely loved P.K.'s personality. I know he gets on... Uh, fans' nerves, especially Stars fans over the years with his time in Nashville. But uh, P. 
PK is a personality, and I think what TNT is showing is that hockey can generate some serious personality with uh, Paul Bissonette and uh, what they're doing on their broadcast. So good hire by ESPN. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. ESPN, it was kind of one of those like writing on the wall things where I remember I talked to PK late last season, right after he won the uh, King the King Clancy Award for his last season in New Jersey. And he, at that point, he still wasn't ready to officially commit to retiring from playing. But we all kind of saw the writing on the wall with PK getting into the media space and the and uh, the off ice things. I mean, he already had a deal to do. A, um, first one hasn't come out yet, but if you've seen the the, the Omaha Productions series that uh, Peyton Manning does, Peyton's Places, and so they're bringing they're already signed on to do a PK's Places one about hockey, which I think would be really fun if you get. Uh, the right personalities with PK on the show there. Um, to me, he's a perfect example of what hockey needs more of as far as guys being willing to embrace their human side and who they are in public. Because everyone always says like, oh, these hockey players are hockey players are boring and they don't have any personality. But so much of that is kind of, it's like a chicken or the egg thing too. So much for ever has been a hockey culture thing of team first, team first, team first, team first. And kind of goes against a little bit of the thing. If you're being shown that, that ethos kind of, you're going against that ethos a little bit when you're, when you're a PK Subban or even an Austin Matthews or whatever. And it's, it's something where the sport has always accepted the guys who do it when they're at their peaks and their best players in the league. Like, Austin Matthews is able to do what he does off the ice with the branding and everything like that because of how good he is on the ice. And I I just hope we see things continue to open up to allow these players to be, to have to show that personality that we know they have, but show it in public more. And that's something where I hope the the PK sign with ESPN does that. Um, And hopefully the one thing PK did during his, uh, last two seasons while he's still technically a player he still did some fill-in work for espn and i'd love to see more players who actually have some of that personality yeah he would be willing to do something during their playing career on the side because we see that in other sports and it'd be nice to see some of that kind of trickle down into hockey as well yeah absolutely you're you're right and tonight at the aac we have a, a tilt stars come home it's going to be interesting because it's always fascinating to see teams coming off a long road trip and how that first game and how they respond and, um, you know, did the legs get fresh again? And tonight they welcome a team that is in the midst of rebuilding in the San Jose Sharks. But don't tell Eric Carlson that. And it's it, we think back a few years ago, I was thinking before we uh, started recording this, that, you know, he was so high as far as like, would he become a potential Dallas star in the in the talk? And you know, the first few years he has not played full seasons, and uh, I think that's hurt him. But man, what a start this year! Well, and it's and it's something. It's funny you think back on the history, and I remember because I I remember covering that at the time. It was the, before he got traded to the Sharks. It was there was questions about him being traded from uh, Ottawa to Dallas, and I remember the amount of people in hindsight who 
now who at the time I would, I remember reporting and writing stories about how the stars weren't willing to part with Miro Hishkinen. And I remember seeing people at that time commenting on Twitter and saying like, well, why wouldn't, well, you would hold on to a prospect for Eric Carlson. Come on. It's just Miro Hishkinen. Can you, can you imagine like, yeah. like to, to think about, to think about that now, to think about, obviously it, it just kind of goes to show sometimes the best trades in life are the ones you don't make. And um, so obviously Eric Carlson was never coming to Dallas with uh was never coming to Dallas unless Miro Hishkin was going the other way. And obviously, thankfully for the stars, Dallas never did that, but he is, uh, it's been fun to see him be the old Eric Carlson again, Carlson again. It's been fun to see him kind of take over games and, and, and like his entire career has been as someone who, basically has dragged a team to a higher level than it should be. And that's what he's doing again. And the issue is just the San Jose team is it's a, it's a, it's a rough team. There's only so far you can drag this team. And so he's a guy who like, you look at, there's, there's a long, there's a long list of players where you're like, who would you like to see win a cup that if, if you're, if you're looking objectively on that side, who from, who was the type of player you'd like to see win a cup? Who's like that old guy with a cup and hopefully it goes somewhere different and, like Carlson's that guy for me. Like you, you'd love to see him get that team reward for everything he's done. And if only he had been healthy his entire career too. Yeah. Just, he's, he's, he's the, he's phenomenal. No, he is, he is phenomenal. And, uh, you know, despite injuries, you know, he's this year, hopefully he can put up, you know, 82 games or close to that. And that would be wonderful to see. And, I love watching him at the point and he's still got the quickness and just the the skills overall. And uh, he's been a fantastic player to watch. So, you know, while San Jose might be struggling, if you're heading to the barn tonight, you're seeing a great one in Eric Carlson. And uh, I'm real happy what San Jose is doing with Mike Greer. I think uh, I loved Mike Greer as a player. I just, I thought he was so smart. I loved how he played the corners um, he used his big body to his advantage, and you know, from everything I heard, Sean, he was a terrific room guy, and I'm so glad that he's getting that management opportunity. And you know, he's well liked in San Jose, so I'm excited to see what he does in the next few years. Rebuilds are tough, um, and it's also an awesome story about the Greer family with you know Mike's brother being the general manager of the Miami Dolphins, the father being. Basically, one of the forefathers of scouting, um, you know, with the New England Patriots and the Houston Texans, and it's just, it's just a family of sports. So, you know, when you look at the 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 sports families out there, and you look at the quarters with uh, Jessica and Nelly and the LPGA and the brother and playing professional tennis, and the dad was one of the top ranked tennis players in the world. That's an amazing family, but the Greer family truly is an amazing story as well. It is, and it's also. I mean, the sharks come in too, and one of uh, one of Greer's right hand men, right hand men in San Jose now is Tom Holy. For for people who uh, right for people pe- people in our world in the media world, obviously know Tom Holy is one of the most. He was one of the most respected PR voices in the NHL for a long time, and ended up uh, this past season went from Stars director PR to assistant general manager with the Sharks, and that's someone where I know. I know Tom is a uh, Tom's a pretty humble individual about that, and uh, but like I, I know that one of the him and him and Greer have been. Holy was 
from from my full understanding of it, Tom Holy has always been a nice a confidant of Mike Greer. And when Greer was at the spot where he was going to when he got the job at, at the Sharks, I remember for, as the story as the story I've been told, Greer essentially had the conversation with his brother and his dad, and they were talking about how do you build a staff and everything like that. And I, I, I've heard the this, I've heard this story secondhand, but one of the one of the th- one of the pieces of advice Mike Greer was given was well bring the people in that you trust the most to be part of your internal group. And Tom Holy was one of those people. And that's how the Sharks ended up reaching out to the, to the, the stars about interviewing their head of PR for a management job. And it's, it, it's, it's good to see Tom Holy in that job because he's someone who as someone who I've dealt with a long time and to see elevated to that role and working organizations like that is exciting to see and also i gotta do give myself give my uh, alma mater a shout out a fellow uh, bowling green state university <laughs> so, uh, nice so you can't uh can't can't uh, can't can't uh, sneeze at that either <laughs> <laughs> well done well done well you know craig and i talked on wednesday about uh after this game uh it's not an easy road for the dallas stars as they have some uh you know, serious teams to uh, play, so hopefully they can get the two points tonight because after this, you go on the road and at the Flyers, Torts has them playing amazing, at Lightning, at Panthers, then you're home for the Islanders who are playing better, Avalanche, you do get the Blackhawks at home, and then Winnipeg again. So not going to be an easy road for the Stars, and, uh, you know, this is a part of the season where, you know, kind of see what they, you know, what they have and what they're putting together. And, you know, Craig was bringing up a real good point on Wednesday. He said, if you go back into that locker room after that loss in Winnipeg, you need to have the mantra, not two in a row. And I thought that was really interesting from a former player perspective. It's it's a good one, though. I mean, it's it's definitely, you always talk about you talk about stringing good and bad things together, right? It's something where you do something good. You want to string it together and make it a two game thing, three game thing, four game thing. And then it's, it's ending those bad streaks. And that's the difference between the good teams and the bad teams in the NHL and and most sports in general, who was the, what was the, who was the, what's the famous baseball quote, right? Where you win, you, you play three games, you win one, you lose one. It's what you do in that third one is the, is what makes good or bad. Like, I don't remember who said it, but there's some famous baseball quote about that. And that applies, that applies to all sports and it applies to hockey as well. Yeah. This is a, you look at the key is you string together, you string together the good, and then you don't let the bad become more than a one time. And if it does become a two time thing, more than a two time thing, like you look at the division right now, uh, you look across the league right now and you look at the Oilers right now and they had uh pretty good, I think they won four in a row at one point, then they lose three in a row. And all of a sudden it's like, well, those, they basically negated each other out. When you start stringing together negative things, it starts to hurt your balance of overall uh, power basically. And so I, I, I think the other thing about the stars right now and the league, that's an interesting thing that's always comes up is, there's the we are now 13 days yeah 13 days from american thanksgiving if i was if i'm to talk like canadian or just thanksgiving here in the united <laughs> states um where 
essentially, I don't have the number in front of me, but I believe there's a the, the percentage of a team being in the playoffs or not being in the playoffs based off their standing on Amer- on Thanksgiving is very, it's pretty, it's very, if you took a snapshot of the standings on Thanksgiving morning, there's a high chance those are the 16 teams in the playoffs for the opening round of the playoffs. It's just a reality of it. And it's some, and, it, and it's a date, honestly. And it's, 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 it's a date that GMs and ownership groups use as a poll marker to figure out how they're going to approach this season. If on Thanksgiving, your team is out of the, is out of the playoff picture that may determine whether you're a buyer or seller at the trade deadline. It, it, it is, it's, it's something where it's, it's, it is, it's, not a coincidence and it does actually have an impact beyond people being stat nerds about it like myself like it it, it does actually impact front offices who look at the standings that day and decide okay this is going to kind of impact where we think we are because we know of those 16 teams in the standings when people are carving a turkey probably only about 14 or 15 of them are probably still going to be in that same spot or in that same group come uh april That's great stuff from Sean Shapiro. You've been listening to Spits and Suds. I'm Gavin Spittle. We urge you, if you want more Stars content, to like us, to download us, and subscribe to us so that we can build this thing together. Um, Let's grow this thing so we can have consistent Stars talk, and hopefully the Stars can pick up two points uh, tonight against San Jose and then go on the road with some success. And we will talk to you again on Monday. We'll probably do our mailbag feature on Monday. Uh, with Sean. So uh, enjoy the puck this weekend, Sean. Yep. You too. And uh, everyone uh, enjoy the, enjoy the weather out there too. It looks like it's a good one. Oh yeah. (laughs) Rainy and cold all weekend. Good times. (laughs) Thanks for listening everybody to spits and suds.